We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning. The kids are going to hang up during worship, so we're, let's worship our King together. Amen.
my husband talks about his glory days a lot. The kids will tell you. Are you talking about your glory days? The days where God has brought you through something tough? The days where he saved you from a death that was promised to you, but he came and he gave his life for you? Are you living in his glory days? Are you living in that victory, that excitement? When Judah talks about his glory days, he's excited. He's excited about what he was doing and the team that he was on. Are you excited about the team that you're on? The victory that we receive when we asked him into our heart? Can you help but give him thanks no matter the trial we're going in because we know who wins in the end? Let's live in his glory days, the ones where he parted the sea, the ones where he sent someone into the fiery furnace, the one where he beat a giant with a stone. Let's live in our God's glory days, because I know my kids are gonna talk about their dad's glory days. Are you talking about your father's glory days? Are you dwelling on that and the victories and the promises that he has set forth from the beginning? So let's just sing that again. We're gonna sing the bridge again and remember what he's done for you and what he's going to do all the promises are yes and amen in the word are you holding on to those promises when you're going through a difficult time or are you letting the enemy have victory over you in your life right now i want to live in the promise i want to live in his victory because i am a daughter of the most high king i have been saved i have his victory i have his table 
Call me a citizen of hell. 
It's good to see you. Well, good morning, everybody. I know they're getting the kids checked in. We'll give them a second. Live streamers, it's good to have you wherever you're watching from. I know we have uh, viewers on YouTube, on, on Facebook, and, and wherever else. So we're glad you're with us this morning. Um, as they're getting kids checked in, a couple of different reminders. Don't forget at the back table, let me pull these off here. Don't forget these invite cards. If you know somebody does not attend church, these are little uh, simple tools for you to use to invite somebody to church. They're on the back table. Also, if you have a prayer request, go ahead and grab one of those back there, and, and you can fill that out and give that to me. And there's also one that says praise on it. So if you have a praise report, love to hear about that. So you can pick those up at the back table also. But it's good to have you today. So let's take up tithe and offering. Uh, and uh, if you need an offering envelope, chairs in front of you, wave your hand around where the ushers will help you out. But we are appreciative of your giving. What, what, what does our giving teach us? Our giving teaches us one thing, that money is not your God. Amen. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. Is that right? 
Let, let me tell you something. I, I hope, you know, I, I truly desire that, um, uh, and, and I, I pray this, I pray this over the church, over my family, over myself, that the Lord gives us this day our daily bread. But in a way that, that we have an abundance to share. That's just my attitude. That's what I think about. It's what I believe the scriptures ultimately are getting at. But, but chasing this day your daily bread is, is not the goal of your life. Right? Trying to have an abundance, whether, whether it's uh, a nice padded uh, savings account or retirement account, those are, those are okay things. It's good, good to, to be ready for retirement and that stuff. But that, Jesus said life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Right? And what our giving does and our tithe and our offering and, and, how, and how we're being taught to live out there is that money is not our God. It is not the focus of life. And you should not sacrifice the important things of life in order to have things and money. The trade-off is not good. That, that the way of life is, is abundance and freedom in Jesus and how he teaches us to live. That's the abundance of life, right? It is not having things. So don't, now, I don't think there's anything wrong with the American dream. I'm thankful I'm living here, but don't confuse the American dream with the gospel. They're not the same thing. Now, the American dream is success, achievement, making something of your life. Nothing wrong with that stuff. That's not the same thing as being saved in Jesus. You can achieve the American dream and not be saved. And you can be a, a bazillionaire, whatever that is and not be saved. Is that correct? So there, there's nothing wrong with achievement and success and having money, as long as money is not your God and it's subservient to you. And it's not the goal and the purpose of your life. So I, I hope someday to retire. We were just talking about this yesterday. And I said, man, I'd like to retire at 55. I was just kidding. I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty close. I can't say that. So um, we were just talking about it a little bit. There's nothing wrong with talking and planning and having goals and, and dreams. But I believe that if I do what the Lord will have me do, that he will always provide. And I don't have to chase the provision at the sake of other stuff. One thing our tithe and our offering teaches us is that. I'll be honest with you. When we say we tithe of our income, that 10%, we were talking about this just the other day. That could be a lot of money at the end of the year. Isn't that right? Yeah. And people that don't follow Jesus and understand these things, they look at that and say, that's sort of crazy that you would, you would give that much money. That's, it can be a lot. But what it's teaching us is that is not your God, nor is it your goal. But if you do these things, then the blessings of this day, your daily bread, will be following your life. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? So as we give today, we live in the provision of God as he's teaching us that money is not our God. All right, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to give this morning. I pray blessings on everybody in the house, Lord, and, and even those, Lord, that, that may be in a, in a tough financial time. It happens, but we lean in faith upon you that you will provide, and we, and we thank you for that provision always going in front of us. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Bring it on down. I do have a handful of announcements. Some of them are new, so uh, a couple things for you this morning. And also, uh, just to start this out, um, I think a lot of you knew that uh, Mr. Rick went on the honor flight 
uh, last week, and it was a really awesome time. And he actually got to do it over 9-11, over which is really cool. So uh, I know they had uh, many of you not only say things to him about, but write letters and whatever for his trip. He just wants to say thank you for that. So he had a great time. So if you want to know more about that, see him. And uh, we appreciate him. Um, also, with that, um, you have an announcement, Mike? Oh, okay. All right. I was just uh, making sure Mike didn't have something to say. Don't forget churchwide prayer tomorrow from 6 to 7. Um, that's always happening every Monday night, so please uh, jump in on that. Um, we got Joy Fellowship next Sunday, 5 o'clock. If you have uh, questions about Joy Fellowship, one of our small groups that meets, you can see Bill and Patsy. Wave your hand around in case they don't know who you are. I think everybody knows you guys, but just in case. Um, water baptism. If you've never been water baptized, it's a, it's a public confession of your faith. It's a confession of what you believe Jesus has done inside of you. We're doing water baptism on October the 2nd, right after church. So if you've never been water baptized, sign up at the back, and I'll contact you about that. Also, then October 8th, don't forget the women's bonfire at our place at 6 p.m. If you have questions about that, see Margo. There's a sign-up sheet for that. And also, I know the ladies are going to talk about carpooling together. So once you get signed up, uh, probably somebody will talk to you about making that happen. Um, next steps on November 6th. Uh, the first Sunday of November, I believe. If you're interested in becoming a member of Only Believe at Urbana, I, I'd love to meet with you after church. It's called Next Steps. It's just an explanation of what it means to be a member here. And we believe uh, membership is, in fact, participation in the church. So if you want to know more about that, please sign up for Next Steps. And uh, let's see. Uh, they want to do an event at a gathering and go over to the Midwest Shooting Range, okay? It's open for, for men and women. So if you're interested in being a part of that event, there's a sign-up sheet at the back where you can see Tom. Tom, wave your hand around. Or Mike in the back. And Mike was the one standing up here. So uh, you can see them if you're interested in that event. And last but not least, if you are on the Greeter Dream Team, on the Greeter Team, I want to meet with that team after church next Sunday for about 15 minutes. So right when church is over, we'll get together and we'll have a, a little bit of a, a meeting about just, just uh, the Greeter Team. And if you're interested in that, if you're not on the team but you're interested in it, jump in on that meeting also. We're going to get uh, just some things and, and, and make sure our schedule's straight and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, that's it. Get your Bibles out if you have one. I hope you bring your Bible to church. If not, we'll get the, the verses up on the screen for you. We've been in a series uh, on sharing your faith. Jesus has come to seek and save that which is lost. And the work of salvation, the work of the kingdom, is in people being reconciled back to God in right relationship. That happens in what we call salvation. That we are saved. Remember, we're saved not only from things, but we're saved to things. We're saved from the penalty of sin, but we're saved to right relationship with God. So there's a lot happening when we say that we are saved. But the work of Jesus was to come to inaugurate what we call the kingdom of God, which is based in salvation, the things that he taught, the miracles that he did were signs of the kingdom, the basis of the kingdom. And then he went and... and became obedient to death on the cross. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And that, that work of the cross is the basis of how we are saved, is the forgiveness of our sins. But the work of Jesus was to come to be a light in this world. This, this is a world that's lost. And they need a savior. 
So we've been talking about sharing your faith because if you hadn't noticed, I think you know, but if you don't think about it much, Jesus ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority and everything under his feet. Amen. But also that means that he's not here in physical form right now. He sent the Holy Spirit, but who is here in physical form doing the work of the kingdom? Right here. We now are the hands and the feet that continue the work of seeking to save that which is lost. Now, we, we ourselves don't save people, but we take the message of Jesus to a world that needs him. In other words, the church can't be silent. And the church can't keep what we consider the best news, the good news, the great news of Jesus to ourselves. Remember back in, back in the old, older, older days when newspapers were still a thing before you could get online and read everything. Newspapers. And they always hired the little guys to stand out there and, and shout about buying the newspaper, right? Come hear the news. Come buy the newspaper. We are the ones that are take the good news. Like, like those, those kids shouting about the newspapers. We shouldn't keep it to ourselves. Now, how many of you... Your salvation has positively, uh, without shadow of doubt, has radically changed your life. Let me see, who? But why would you keep that to yourself? If this is the best thing, is the, if it's the best thing, then why would we keep it to ourselves? So we are to be people who share our faith. So we talked about why we share our faith. We talked about what it means to share your faith. We talked last week about the attitude of sharing your faith. I want to sort of keep on with that attitude of sharing your faith. In Luke chapter 15, we have uh, some parables of Jesus, and we're going to read down pretty much through this whole chapter. I want to I talk to you about it a little bit. So Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. Now the tax collectors, those who had, in essence, betrayed Israel, sided with Rome, collecting taxes for Rome, and the sinners, those that were far from God, we're drawing near to hear him. Now, who's that him there? Jesus. The sinners are drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, grumbled and said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The table manners of Jesus were controversial. He caught a lot of flack for who he was hanging out with. Jesus, the one who had came to seek and to save that was lost, was actually spending time with them and doing something that, that in essence would have made him almost unclean. He was eating with them, sharing food with them. And the religious leaders, the ones that felt, the Pharisees, the ones that felt that rule-keeping was the way the kingdom of God would come, Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom of God's going to come because those that need saved will be saved. They're not the same thing. Well, I'm, I'm going to get God to come because of how perfect I live as a follower of God. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with living for Jesus and, and, and uh, abstaining from sin and these different things. But if we think that is the essence of salvation, we miss it. That Jesus, in hearing critique, that he's hanging out with those that are lost, he tells three parables. So, so let's, let's read the response of Jesus to the criticism of who he's hanging out with. 
So he told them this parable, and, and I love how Jesus just never says, okay, I'm just going to give you five points here. Listen to these five points about the kingdom and learn it and be on your way. He tells stories. He tells these parables because uh, in one sense, just to throw it straight out there just may have been too shocking, but also in another sense, parables, although they're not nice, neat little theological boxes, they contain a truth or two that sort of settles in on you. Story is a powerful medium right? How many of you have ever watched the same movie like more than once? There's something about that. It's a story that grabs you and you want to see it over and over again. You know, you have your favorite movie that you watch. Parables are like that. They're a story that brings you into something that causes you to maybe hopefully grab the truth that the story contains. So he tells them some parables. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous person who needs no repentance. You see that? And this is something we keep saying in the series. As much as God pays attention to the righteous, he's distracted by the lost. So much so he leaves 99 righteous to go after the one that's lost. But when he finds the lost, the lost come home. What happens? There's a celebration. You see that? There is a big party for somebody who comes into the kingdom through salvation. Then he tells another story, same thing, but a different way. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, did not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you see that in both these cases, that something that was lost and separated, when it is found, it is the cause of a great celebration in heaven and on earth. Here's the first big point I want you to get this morning. The kingdom of God is a celebration of the lost being found. That's the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, if we know that literally, that when you came to that moment of acknowledging Jesus, asking for the forgiveness of your sin, that moment of, of salvation, literally, there was set off in heaven a celebration. How much more should we see the need the lost to be saved if heaven and earth celebrates when one person comes to know him. You see how important that is? The kingdom of God is built on the celebration of the lost being found. That's incredible. You know, there was a party for you. Do you know that? You may not have known it, probably didn't know that, but there was a party for you when you got saved. That's an amazing thing. Anytime in a church setting, 
or out there in the street somewhere in, in a business or a house somewhere, when somebody gives their life to Jesus, it's set off a party. Here's one thing I love. If you, if you go, and, and we talked about this before, but if you go to John chapter number two, there's contrasting stories. And most likely, the author John took a story that happened during the Passion Week at the end. He puts it at the front. It's the clearing of the temple. But he tells the story of, of the very first miracle of Jesus is at a wedding. Now, now, what do the religious folk do? The religious folk, they kind of got quit dancing and having fun. Get over here in the, in the temple and do your, do your churchy stuff. And Jesus came and he extended the party, the celebration of the wedding banquet, to let them know this is what the kingdom of God is like. Then he goes over to the temple and says, you're doing this all wrong. Whipping it, driving the, the money changes out. They were trying to profit off the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, which you should never do. And, he, and he's bringing judgment on the temple system that was ultimately fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans knocked the whole thing down. But the kingdom of God is like a wedding celebration. The bride and the bridegroom coming together. It's a celebration that will never stop. I want to tell you this. If church can't be a celebration to you, I don't know what you're going to do in eternity. Because the lost being found is a celebration. Then we have the imagery of the marriage supper with the lamb. It's a, it's a celebration. It's a party. It's a celebration of life being found. That is why I talk to you so much about church being a celebration. That we come together and we, we sing and we worship together. It's a celebration of our Savior, but it's also a celebration of our liberation. That we should come together as a people and we celebrate the fact that we have been found. Every time we get together. And that should drive us to think, if it's that important to God that when one person gets saved, there's a celebration sparked in the heavenly, that's important for us to share the message. Yes. 